Here it comes. It's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 53 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today, I had the great pleasure of hanging out with Butch Spiriton. Butch is the president and CEO of the Nashville Convention and Visitors Corp, NCVC. He has served the NCVC since 1991. Under his leadership, the NCVC has led the strategic development of Nashville's hospitality industry, and Music City has evolved into a top global destination, generating over $7 billion in visitor spending annually. During Butch Butch's tenure, the NCVC has been involved with development initiatives that include the Tennessee Titans, Bridgestone Arena, July the 4th, New Year's Eve, the Music City Center, Music City Walk of Fame, and the city's branding. He also helped lead efforts to bring British Airways' nonstop flight to London in 2018, and he led the recruitment and execution of the 2019 NFL Draft, which became the most successful event in the NFL history. We talk a bit about the first Music City Grand Prix as well. Combined with the NCVC ongoing sales and marketing initiatives, Nashville hotel demand has grown faster than any other top 30 U.S. city since 2013 and was named the top destination in the world by multiple publications for eight consecutive years. Spiriton serves on the Executive Committee of the U.S. Travel Association and as Chair of Destinations International. Raised in Pascagoula, I believe I said that right, Mississippi, Spiriton graduated from Vanderbilt University. He is a graduate of the Institution of Comparative Political and Economic Systems at Georgetown University. He and his wife, Sonny, have four children and five grandchildren. I really enjoyed hearing his journey and how his strong will to get stuff done has accomplished much in Nashville. It was not easy in the beginning years for him, but he stayed persistent and went against the norm. Early on, as you'll hear, Butch was very independent, and he did not like following the crowd. He gave up basketball in high school because they wanted him to cut his hair. That led to him taking part in a school walkout. We discussed the valuable lessons he learned in college and the relationships that would forever impact his life. He shares about what it was like to be stranded in a train station in Paris with no money. One year that he specifically recalls was a big challenge was 1998. It was dubbed as Cicadas, Tornadas, and Theme Park. Oh my. You'll definitely pick up on that Butch has always had a very strong work ethic and how that has helped his success. He shares so much insight into all the significant events that have taken place in Nashville over the last 30 years and how long it took to accomplish that. I love what he shared about one of his first meetings after taking his new job at Nashville Convention and Visitors Corp. If you enjoy Nashville, you will definitely enjoy this episode. If you want to hear what it takes to be successful in your career, you will find this episode very valuable and insightful. Make sure to stay tuned in until the end. Mike Sill will play another song. And uh, now sit back and enjoy the conversation with Butch. Hello, Nashville. Today I am coming to you from downtown, and uh, I am hanging out with Butch Spiriton. Thanks for joining me. Normally I would say in the Rambler, but 
but COVID has put a little restrictions on yeah, it. Yeah, I, I really like the look of the Rambler, so uh, I'm going to call for a, a do-over in the future. I like it. And uh, glad to be here and glad to be socially distanced. Yes, very socially distanced, yeah. right? And uh, actually, this is a really cool office, or I mean conference room, and I'm assuming you've had some really awesome presentations in here, probably, right? Uh, yeah, we've done both receive some and mm-hmm. given some. Most recently, uh, we finally got our face-to-face presentation with FIFA. Okay. So they haven't been able to come to the U.S. regarding the 26 World Cup. Gotcha. So we did our presentation to them, and they were in Switzerland. Nice. And uh, it went better than I could have hoped. Awesome. So That's good news. Hopes are up. How long have y'all been in this building? Uh, we moved in in '03. Okay. So, so there's years. been a lot of, a lot of, a lot's gone, a lot of here. action in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, um, when the alarm goes off at 5:30 a.m., assuming you wake up that early. What gives you excitement to jump out of bed instead of hitting the snooze button? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I guess I, was, I never really thought about it like that. I, I enjoy my job. Uh, I like both the challenges and the rewards. And every day is different. So it's kind of like, let's get up and see where today is going to take us or where we can take it. But I, I've been here, some would say, too long. Um, but this is, I'm in, working on my 30th year, mm-hmm. and I've never really had a day that I dreaded coming mm-hmm. to work. I maybe dreaded a couple of meetings here right, and there, right. but no, I've loved it, and it's work. work yeah. for, I think it's work for Nashville. I know it's work for me. Well, that was my first thought was to say thanks for all you've done because, you know, I love the city. My wife and I have been here since 2000. And we've seen it obviously grow in 20 years. And then as I'm entertaining people that are looking to move here and I kind of give them the tour, it, it actually gives – it excites me because sometimes, you know, you take for granted what you have. And then when you're trying to sell it to someone, it's like, oh, you know what? I really enjoy Nashville. I love Nashville. And, you know, even the current climate, we're pretty sane, you know, too. You know, we so are a, a bit of a beacon, you know, comparatively speaking, about some normalcy, some civility, uh, and a success story in in its own right. So I'd be real quick, let me say it up front, Uh, hopefully I'll say it again. You know, I've been fortunate, I've been able to do a lot of really cool stuff and been part of some good success stories, but you don't do any of it (laughs) alone. Um, You know, I think one of my roles is you know, kind of elbowing people to think. Uh, actually, I'm going to quote one of my peers who retired now from from Vancouver. And I just, I love the city, and I loved him. Rick Antonson was his name. And we were serving on a board together, and he was explaining something, and he said, you know, we always tell our board members and our staff, think beyond your experience and act beyond your tenure. Hmm. I thought, that's just brilliant. So I wrote it down. I use it, and I kind of live by it. That We can't be thinking of where we are today, hmm. and we can't be thinking about just us. What can the city do better? What can we leave better for the next generation? Right. So that's helped me and guided me, and I, I think if I played a role, it's as much 
quit thinking about that's too big for us. We can do whatever we want to do. Mm-hmm. And let's let the want and the desire be the driving force, not the, oh, my God, they'll never pick us. Right, right. You're guaranteed to lose if that's your... Yeah, and, and, of course, we're jumping into the business part early. Yeah, sorry. But, but, you know, my thought, too, is with that, some people are probably like, hey, Butch, though, but enjoy the moment. Does, um, that, ha- does that happen sometimes? I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm sure you bask in the moment of, of you know, say the, the whatever <laughs> you've accomplished. Uh, you know. My wife would accuse me of not, probably. Our staff would accuse me of mm. not. Uh, I do try to tell other people. Soak it in. Right. But I have an affliction. Once it's booked, I'm already thinking about what's next. So there's still the execution part, and I don't just book it and walk away. I feel like I'm pretty involved in that, but I do. i standing on the roof of Tootsie's, taking a picture of 2017 Pred watch parties mm-hmm. and sending it to the NFL. So I'm certainly proud of the Preds, enjoying that moment, but I am courting the NFL draft, and so I'm thinking about what can this moment do for us right, right. down the road. And, uh, yeah, I get accused. Of, yeah, yeah. Hey, but you're in the moment enjoying. Enjoy it. Right. Go, oh, I did for five minutes. And then I'm, <laughs> I'm All on. right. So let's, uh, let's start out with some childhood <laughs> memories. Ooh. What was your family life like? And how did that begin to mold you? Um, whoa. I'd say pretty normal. We moved a little bit when I was young, but from fifth grade on, I was raised in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Uh, blue-collar town. I'd say probably normal middle class. My dad helped build nuclear submarines, which was kind of bizarre as I think hindsight would tell me he was an electrical engineer and he was working on nuclear reactors in submarines and I go when he was educated there wasn't nuclear power so the revelation to me was was he a self-taught nuclear engineer that can't be good right just can't be safe so uh he was deceased by the time that revelation hit me so I couldn't ask uh, pretty normal family. I was the youngest of three, so I got away with a little more. Mm-hmm. And I was also left to maybe fend, fend for myself a little bit more. as Parents were busy, and brother and sister maybe gone to college, or mm-hmm. uh, my brother went to prep school. What were your age differences? Uh, four and two and a half years. Okay. So we were relatively close, but right. enough were... You know, my, the four years was my sister, and so male, female, mm-hmm. high school, junior high, we didn't interact much. Uh, we do now, and my brother went off to prep school probably as a sophomore, and so, you know, summers we got in trouble together. And right, right. I got closer, but yeah, I often yeah. wonder we have a we have thirteen, ten, and five, and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that five year old's going to be pretty spoiled. You know, yeah. <laughs> especially when the yeah. other two get out of the house and it's like, that's all we got. You know, we're we're trying to like go, no, no, we don't want you to start kindergarten. Don't grow yeah. up. You know, we've got three boys. I love it. As the so as a, in high school, my dad actually worked in Alabama 
on a nuclear power plant, and he would commute. And my mother would go see him. I was left left alone a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't say that in a... It was normal back then. Yeah, and yeah. I encouraged it. Mm-hmm. But right. the, the, the visual, <laughs> for, for all the wrong reasons, I encouraged it. Uh, but the visual that sticks with me is when my sister went off to college, you know, we all took her. Mm-hmm. And family affair and that. And my brother, same thing, I went. And then for me, I convinced my parents that I could just send myself. Mm-hmm. And so I packed up some belongings and shipped them on the Greyhound bus and took myself to the airport and flew to Nashville. Nice. And it uh, didn't really hit me till I got on campus. That kind of, what have I done? Right. I don't know anybody. And uh, I'm not a real outgoing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I won't go up and just join a conversation or introduce myself, I go to my room and read or sleep. So it hit me then as I got here, but then in hindsight I went, what high school senior packs themselves off to college? Mm -hmm. That just doesn't... It was all that independence that was growing within you, I I would imagine. Yeah, so I I took it for the opportunity it was. And it was more important for me to get my my mother at that time, out of the house for that last week or two mm-hmm. of being at home right. before I go off to college. You're like, Dad, I had a lot Dad, of fun. Dad misses Whoa. you, right? Yeah, that was like <laughs> the devious part of me caused the <laughs> right. independence. Part. You were a little manipulative, I guess, yeah, maybe. probably. I could sell back then. So, uh, all right, so obviously you hit on, hit on an overview of some of those years, but next up, the teen years when you knew everything. Um, what did you do to entertain yourself? Did you have some friends that were a positive influence on you? Uh, any special memories from, like, say, grandparents? You know, um, there'd be a few things. My All four grandparents were uh, immigrated from Greece. Okay. So uh, one set died when I was pretty young. Um, but I, had, I probably admired my grandfather that I knew the best, and he lived the longest— just because he he built a business, he came here with nothing, he lost it all in the Depression, and he never lost his positive attitude. Hmm. He worked hard, he enjoyed life, and he would just kind of what me worry sort of outlook, and I always loved that. Uh, My mother was probably the harder worker. She was the first female broker real estate broker okay. in our town, first woman to own her own real estate, first woman to be the president. We were members of the Greek church in Mobile. So a lot of firsts. So she had that drive, and my dad had the likability. You know, he just you know, made me a little more like, it wasn't his father, but a little more like my, my grandfather. Um, so I learned kind of maybe the easygoing part from mm-hmm. him. I got some of the drive from my mother. Um, And, you know, I always had an independent streak in me. I didn't, I never liked following the crowd. So if everybody would say, we're going to go do this, if I wanted to, I would do it, but I never did it because that's what Mm -hmm. the crowd was growing. But I have had a good group of friends. I was in a high school fraternity. That sounds odd. There were not a lot. 
No. And I was president of our chapter. And galvanizing that group was was fun. It was an experience I didn't expect to have. And uh, kind of taught me how to manage mm-hmm. dislike personalities. And, of course, all of that. We were supposed to have civic and community uh, missions, but it was all about let's have some fun. Right. And we did. Right. Yeah. Did you do sports or anything? Uh, played basketball through the 10th grade. So here's one nobody's ever heard. Coach told me I needed to cut my hair in the 10th grade. So I quit. Because my hair wasn't that long. It was long. But that was the 70s. Um, but I had that independence dream. Mm-hmm. You are not going to tell me what to do in that regard. There are enough rules. And so I hated it because I love basketball. Mm, wow. But I played everything up through junior high and then through 10th grade. And then... What did people think about you when you did that? I, you know, I think I got a little grief, some of the players. And then the other friends were good for you. It was that time when, you know, our generation was just labeled. If you were put in, you were either a hippie or a jock. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was both. Um, and so you just kept getting labeled, and adults kept putting rules on you that made no sense. Hmm. Like if today's kids saw what we had to go through right. just for arbitrary, I don't like you because your hair is long or your jeans are too whatever wow. or just stupid things right. today. Um, so I kind of drew the line in the establishment, mm-hmm. just because you're the establishment doesn't mean you're right. Mm-hmm. That may be the lesson I took away, you know. And I still remember today, just because I'm older, Yeah, doesn't make me right. Now, was it a matter of, like, what was more attractive to girls, basketball or the long hair? Oh, it would always be the girls. Um, so the girls were more attracted to the long was, hair? Oh, yeah, probably. And it depended. <laughs> the cheerleaders liked the jocks. Right, so true, true. I enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting question. I just didn't like yeah. because I said so or they mm. say. You know, I understand rules. And your parents gave you a lot of freedom, too, throughout? Because, um, like, I know when my off. mom, she would say, you know, she would tell me, oh, no, you can't. You can't go over to somebody's house. And I'm like, why? Uh, just because. And that always drove me crazy. And yeah. even now, whenever my wife might be telling my kid no, and I'm just like, what's the reason? Like, and so I I, I tend to just go, unless there's a good reason, just Have go do a it. reason. Say yes. Yeah, we – so in high school, we – a group, pretty large group, we decided to stage a walkout over – dress code and hair. It was like, your hair can't touch your collar kind of thing. Like, what does that have to do with education? So we staged the walkout. And I kind of hinted to my parents that something might happen today, but I didn't explain what. <laughs> I participated in the walkout. The principal came out and said, if you're not in your classes in five minutes, you'll be suspended. So what was a pretty large crowd probably might have been a couple hundred dwindled really fast kids mm-hmm. got scared and hauled ass um, i was never much for being chicken but i was also pretty smart 
right, about right. staying out of harm's way. So I went to my car and went home. And then I confessed and said, you might want to call in sick. Otherwise, I'm going to be suspended. So my mother, I guess I was probably a junior, you know, realizing college does matter. Because, okay, she didn't like what I did, but she also didn't want a suspension to hurt my chances down the road. So she called in. Well, somebody ratted me out Mm. to the principal that here are the people that were involved. Mm. So I got suspended for three days. And then I had to go try to appeal it, and eventually I got it wiped out. But it's the same thing. It wasn't. Yeah. Was it a big school? Oh, it was one high school in a town of 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. So it was, right, class was probably side. 300. Okay. Um, yeah, that was, a, so you were, you were, but I think I that's was a rebel. good. Yeah, I was about to say a rebel, but I think it's good because, you know, you were smart enough and wise enough to be like, all right, I'm going to push, I'm going to push, but you know when to kind of pull back. You yeah, know? and I wasn't going to run to my classroom because I didn't like that right. feeling. Now, either. whatever happened to the outcome, did they let you keep your hair long? I eventually got the suspension appealed and erased. I was out for three days, and I think I got zeros in some classes, mm-hmm. but I was able to make it up. I was a decent student. Did it, did the did the walkout accomplish anything? No, it took a few more years. Okay. You know, it was like they were going to teach us a lesson. Right. And I just, that doesn't fly. Now, was it a prep school, or it was no, just a normal public school? school? But they didn't want your hair long, correct? Or what was it? Yeah, that was the, there were a couple kids that got in in trouble. And okay. so we all rallied around them. Okay, gotcha. And it's kind of funny. Both of them are MDs in yeah. town today. Yeah, yeah. And so it oh, it's really interesting. I, you know, think about some of these college fraternity brothers, and I look at what they were into in college and, you know, and now success stories, you know. I'm like, yeah, I would have never thought that, or I would have never guessed this, you know. like Oh, yeah, there probably weren't many people <clears throat> would have bet on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, did you happen to head to Pasco? Pascagoula Beach Park, often with your friends? Uh, I lived across the street. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, the water, I'm a water person today. So we had a small sailboat. We had a really bad powerboat. But it didn't matter. Any chance to get on the water, Mm -hmm. to fish, to crab. There are islands about 10 miles out in the Gulf there, which is really what endeared me to that Mm -hmm. part of the country. but if you could go out to the islands and play, it was like heaven. Yeah. And still is today. Yeah. Do you get, so do you go back to the Gulf mm-hmm. to vacation a lot? Now, do you hit Nashville's de- vacation destination, Destin? Or do you hit uh, other places? No, I used to until it got, you know, as I say, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't like going down there. Beautiful beaches. but Right. Just, to your point, you go out to dinner if you're down in Destin or Fort Wayne, <laughs> you see your neighbors. <laughs> That's not why I go on vacation. Yeah, um, especially you. Yeah, because you know. Quite oh, a few. well, that's the that's the one benefit of of saying yes to a timeshare several years ago, is we're limited to their inventory. But because of that, we've been able to experience, you know, a lot of the places in the Gulf, not the oh. Gulf, but all around Florida, and actually Destin not being one of their main ones. So it's always nice to mix up the uh, yeah. the Gulf and the Atlantic. And, and, you know. and we grew up, we would hit Fort Walton fairly often. I had one good friend that had a condo there before, I think it was the first condos built there. And he had a boat. 
Uh, but then Gulf Shores was a pretty short drive, and we mm-hmm. would hit Gulf Shores. And today, actually, I just not too long ago bought a boat. Okay. And it's on the Mississippi coast. And if I can get away from here and mm-hmm. run down there and run out to the islands, that's where I did you did you sailboat much? You said y'all had a sailboat. Uh, we had a small sailboat. I loved it. I never did a lot of it, but any invitation. Um, mm. I always thought that'd be something cool. A couple of years ago, I thought that'd be neat to go take some lessons and just me and the boys go out and do sailboat. When you realize you're you and the wind or the engine mm-hmm. and the steering, it it's pretty magical because yeah, it's just as peaceful and outing as you can possibly do which is what really attracted me hit hearing the waves hit the bow and the lines hit the mast mm-hmm. or pretty yeah. special sounds and just being out on the ocean oh that's yeah all right so uh what were you thinking when actually let's see yeah okay so what made you choose vandy over other colleges how was the college experience in nashville when nashville was not what it is now um so a few things. One, I didn't want to go to a state school. Or I didn't want to go in state. You mean you didn't want to do what others Ole were doing? Yeah. Where everybody was going. Right. <laughs> and my parents said, we're not going to pay for you to go to a state school out of state. Hmm. And my brother, actually my brother went to Vanderbilt for four years, and my sister went for two. She transferred her junior and senior. So probably though my brother being here was the reason I looked. I wanted to be far enough where my parents wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me. Uh, I looked at Tulane. That was too close to home. I wanted to go to Arizona State, but my folks, that was like, no. A little too far. Yeah, and the out-of-state tuition okay. was not going to happen. So pick Vandy. Uh, wouldn't trade it. Uh, I'm not smart enough to get in today. I probably wasn't smart enough to get in when I got in. Uh, but I moved off campus. for So I, I quit for a semester, and I went an extra semester. So I had a five-year experience. Three of the years I lived off campus. And did you do the fraternity in college as well? I did. I was a Kappa C. Okay. But even that, we were not. We were not much of a fraternity. We were a great club. Right. We didn't subscribe to the rituals or the rules. Right, right. We we had plenty of people everybody thought was a member that weren't members. Mm-hmm. And that was just, if you were like us, we didn't care if you joined or not. Just wanted to party. Right. Enjoy each other. Um, Talk about school stuff. Yeah. Classes. But living off campus, I learned a lot about Nashville. And the irony... This will sound like I made it up. Um, when I left, I acknowledged I was a, I call myself a water rat. I just loved the Gulf. That Nashville would be the only inland city mm-hmm. I would ever live in. That there was just something here that I feel like I detected back then. Couldn't <clears throat> tell you what it was. Downtown was pretty seedy. Um, it obviously wasn't anywhere near. Uh, what it is today, but I guess if I summed it up, I felt like it had a soul, and I, I don't even know where I learned that. But now, did you did you at that age did you experience any other bigger cities? 
Uh, we had traveled. I mean, okay. my grandparents lived in New York, so we would go there a lot. I lived in Pittsburgh when I was little. Mm-hmm. Um, and then well, even when I quit school for a semester, I ran an right. elevator in the Senate building in Washington. Okay. So I had enough exposure. Uh, but so what made you do that? You just decided just wanted to break uh, and Grades were not my yeah. best friend. Mm-hmm. I was having a little too much fun. Mm-hmm. I needed to step back. I even thought about transferring. Was, again, smart, right? You were, you were pushing it, and you're like, eh, Yeah, and everybody said, oh, you'll never go back. Don't quit. I, well, if I don't quit, I may not have a choice right. um, about coming back. So I stepped back, and it helped me. I, I mean, I, I ran an elevator. That's pretty glamorous. Mm-hmm. I delivered uh, cigarettes and candy and snacks to the convenience stores okay. uh, or in the surrounding counties in Mississippi. So I had a little van and, you know. So you went back home? I did both. Okay. Uh, and then I worked in a Coca-Cola warehouse. So, I mean, I did yeah. hard labor. I did actually a summer job. I delivered for Snapple. And it was called New Age, but it was I delivered in the convenience store stuff. And my mom had a convenience store, so I worked in a convenience store. <clears throat> so I had a lot of that experience. Yeah. So that told me that I I needed a better path mm-hmm. out than what that could afford me. So going back to school was a a better decision. Yeah. And did you did you work prior to college? Um, every summer. Okay. Uh, did every job imaginable. I lifeguarded. I taught swimming, and I really like at age fourteen and fifteen. Then I worked construction every summer. I was a bricklayer's or mason's tender. Mm-hmm. I did surveying. Two of the three of the worst jobs: working for a surveyor in Pascagoula, Mississippi, in the summer, in the woods. Mm. Humidity over 100% had to be. Mosquitoes like you? Temperature, mosquitoes, heat, humidity, stickers, chiggers, Mm -hmm. just out there with a bush axe, clearing a path so he could shoot a line. Then unloading drywall on a second-story apartment. Uh, That's some heavy stuff. Teach you a little bit. And then I helped build a power plant, helped build I was labor. But they were pouring concrete in probably a 20-foot, hole with so it had water in the bottom mm-hmm. rain crawling down in that hole and those same weather conditions <laughs> you could only stay down there about 10 or 15 minutes and you have to come out wow. and get water so yeah i did enough so you you definitely had enough experiences of hard labor to say yeah i don't yeah. I, we, I, we need a college degree yeah, it's funny because i mean that's really like I, like that was some of my path it was the hard work but it was like people i graduated 13 people and out of that class, I mean, most went to college. Um, so it was around a good crowd that had a good influence to say, I got to go to college. But I was the same thing. Fraternity, grades were like, whatever, you know. I, I wanted to really focus on the social aspect. Um, but I also knew that I needed a degree, you know, and even having the summer jobs of delivering and stuff like that. I remember um, I worked for a McDonald's distribution center, and they were like, and I did a really good job, and they wanted me to stay. And I'm like, are you crazy? I'm going back to college. And I actually kind of got, got ticked maybe how I, how I said it. Um, <clears throat> but, but, yeah, it kind of kept me on track. You know, it was mm-hmm. like that balance of having fun but also going, uh, you know, I don't want to do that. And then I was engineering degree until calculus. I realized you actually had to study for math. Oh. And then I switched to business 
So I, I got a business degree. So yeah. when you went into college, what was your goal of degree? Did you have an idea? I, I don't think I did when I arrived. I was a business major. I quickly learned anything related to math I needed to get far away from. Calculus scared the hell out of me. Um, Word to put it in suck. context, probably the best descriptive. So I was mostly straight A's in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I did get accepted to Vanderbilt, so my ACT and SAT scores were not horrible. Um, but then I get here, and I hear kids talking about AP courses and arriving with nine or 12 credit hours. Even back then? Yeah, and I I'm didn't going, even know that existed. Well, I, that was my point. Wow. I'd never heard of that. I didn't know you could do that, or there were schools where you Got that kind of education. Right. So they were light years ahead of me. So it's almost like now how pre-K is. It's like your kids have to go to pre-K or else they start kindergarten, and they're so far behind. Whereas I'm always like, just let the kids be kids and yeah. have play until no, they have to. taking that away from them. Yeah, but it is. Yeah, I learned a lot. It was very humbling to be around that many smart, mm. smart kids. But meeting people from literally all over the country and still having those friendships today – was as good a lesson yeah. as anything. Uh, I wouldn't trade it. So so on that thought, like my 13-year-old, so I, I do real estate, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a realtor. And But then and sometimes I think, do you need to go to college? And that is my thought sometimes of just the, the network or just the experience of meeting people. But then I look at the debt and – you know, what, what's your what's your thoughts of that? Like when somebody's um, like, I don't want to go to college. Should you go to well, college? Well, it's certainly not for everybody. And if you have a path toward sustaining your life in a manner that you would like, whatever that is, um, you know, I think that's a, a valid argument if you know I want to go in the military and I want to do this. Or, you know, I can start earning money. I can learn the real estate market. But there are some skill sets to uh, to that experience. I look at it like I, I had an apartment, I had roommates, I had bills to pay. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to live. And I said in the beginning, we were middle class. You know, any spending money I had came from me, didn't come from my parents. You know, didn't have a credit uh-huh. card. You know, couldn't call and say bail me out i got the free uh, shirt so i got the credit card early on yeah yeah so and i worked some you know i waited tables we bartended private parties i worked at a gas station uh, up here so i you know i earned my i live in but you just it's like being an adult with training wheels mm-hmm. mostly all the good stuff but there's enough things mm-hmm. that you learn that are helpful when all of a sudden you're Right. Truly on your right. own. Yeah, I agree 100. <clears throat> um, and and I think too, just for you going to Vandy and and then of course moving away and then coming back, those relationships, like you said, had to have a big impact that you would have never dreamed that. Well, I would. wouldn't have probably been hired for this job if Vanderbilt wasn't on my resume. Um, I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You know, yeah, I was qualified, I believe, but I don't think they would have looked at me. Mm-hmm. So thinking back from college to your childhood, who would you say are a couple people that had a big impact on your life and why? 
Uh, there was a guy at Vanderbilt who, after I quit school for the semester and I came back and I knew I needed to do a little better, there was a program at Georgetown called the Institute of Comparative Political and Economic Systems. Sounds more impressive than it is. <laughs> um, and I can't even, my sister was a little involved with it and she was living in D.C. So I, um, I applied and this gentleman in Vanderbilt's administrative office was the main person behind him. He got me in. And having that on my resume helped me. It helped my grade point average and it helped my growth as a, on the mature side. Mm-hmm. And then he was the guy when I started job hunting, I had him as a reference. And my first job was in Mobile, and the person that hired me called him for a reference. And I didn't know this till some time later, but he actually said uh, something to the effect of, it's not if, it's just when. So whoever mm. whoever hires him. Wow, that's cool. And I'm like, yeah. So I wrote him a letter. That's uh, awesome. Taught me the value of relationships. Right. And, and I also knew because he, I know he probably went hard to get me in, mainly because I was a Vanderbilt student, that I have this, I don't even know what to call it, characteristic that I won't disappoint or let down much as I can, anybody that has gone to bat for me. Mm-hmm. So it was that he stuck his neck out. Um, I'm going to do this. Right. And right. Uh, probably good motivation. Yeah. But I've always been, I'm really loyal to mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty cool. That. Just the, you know, that you hear the stories of the impact of teachers, you know, from a young age or just in that, you know, one conversation, he saw, he saw something in you and steered you in a direction that, potentially changed your life, or not potentially, it did, you know? Yeah, it, it definitely did. I always think of, especially teachers, I probably have more influence. And what was his name? From Dave Jones. Okay. He's passed away okay. since then. So. But a great guy. He even, so it's kind of funny, this institute, was the Edison Foundation, was having a, an event here. And Sunquist was governor. And they were going to do a dinner at the governor's mansion. And he said, would you come? And would you even say something, say a few words, just as an alum? And I go, well, sure, I owe you that. You know, can't say no. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to. So I go, actually the day before, I kind of say, tell me a little bit more about this. Well, it turns out I was like, the featured speaker. And I go, Dave, that's a little more than just, right, hey, right. I'm a proud <laughs> alum. I enjoyed the experience. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Like, like, I go, no, I, I can't suck. Right. So I went to work, panicked, scripted <laughs> How old were you at out. this time? So I was working here. Okay. So I was probably maybe 40-ish. Okay. Late 30s. And uh, I remember that I essentially, the governor was my opening act. It was a significant 
you know, event. And I did, the only thing I remember that I said that night was, Dave, I can't ever tell you no, but we're even. Right. And I just, I just, so if you hadn't inquired into more details, you would have just showed up with like yes. a sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could only have been worse. Oh, that would have been terrible. Oh but my it's gosh. just like, wait a minute, I got governor here. Right. I got this guy from Vanderbilt. I got no. All right. So now uh, you're in, you have the business degree from Vandy and you have to start adulting. You like that term oh, that they, they give now. I sucked how, at that part. How did you find your first job out of college? And what landed you in Alabama, right? Yeah. So I moved back home. I uh, worked construction the first summer, made enough money with a couple, going back to the relationships you build, a couple guys from Vandy, fraternity brothers, actually. Said, we're going to go to Europe. You want to come? And one of them, this is the dichotomy, one of them, both of them came from very well-off families. And the one guy said, my family's rented a castle in Ireland for two weeks. We'll go stay there for a week, and then we'll go off on our own. Well, and I, I'll give my mother some credit. Uh, I was like, mm, I don't know. And she was like, you go do that. So, but I still had to pay for it myself. Okay. Um, so I worked construction all summer, saved my money, got on a plane, and uh, spent a week in a castle in Ireland, and that was the polar opposite of how we spent the rest of the mm-hmm. time, uh, sleeping in the car, sleeping on a beach, sleeping at a hostel, uh, eating bread and cheese, uh, but eye-opening, game-changing mm-hmm. uh, experience, exposure for me, and I... Both of those guys were more well-heeled. Both of them, have, I didn't have a credit card, hmm. even now. And I think I was there, I don't know, maybe three weeks. Seems like I did a week in Ireland and two weeks in Europe. And I kind of was running out of money. And I said, I, just, I need to head home. So I, I think I was in Paris. Had to... Flew, I can't even remember the airline, so I'll get this wrong, but flew back to London because that's where my return ticket was and uh, arrived, and they said, I think it was Pan Am at the time, that there was some strike going on and limited air service and no seats. So I'm in Heathrow going, what? Mm-hmm. I, what do you mean I can't get home? I have a ticket. Mm. And they're like, they literally said, your best bet is Laker Airlines. So Freddie Laker, this wealthy Brit, had started his own low-cost, no-frill airline. It flew every day from Gatwick to New York. And I'd flown out of D.C. So now, and no money, no phone. Mm-hmm. Think, Put all this in context. Now I'm in London broke with an airline ticket that's not much value because they said it could be weeks before you could get a reservation. Mm, No credit card. So they said, go to Victoria Station. Every day, they sell the tickets, half the plane at Victoria Station, half at Gatwick. 
course, I don't know what Victoria or Gatwick is. Mm-hmm. So I, but I take the train into London, and I get to the train station, and I literally kind of figure out they're selling these tickets. They do it every morning. There's a queue. Didn't know what a queue was, but I do now, a line. Mm-hmm. And everybody had a number. And every morning you lined up with your number in order. It was so well organized. It was mostly Americans. And they had built a system, volunteer system. And there were people running it. And until their number came up and they could fly out and then somebody else stepped up. So the only thing I figured out was I need to get in good with those people running this. So I got a number. It was meant I was going to be there for several days for sure. Met those people figured out what it was going to cost, went to Pan Am's office, cashed my ticket in because mm. I didn't have enough money to buy the cheap ticket. And so I, okay, here's that. Mm-hmm. Have that money. Then I bought a sleeping bag for $2, slept at the train station, pretty much like a homeless person, lived off bread, cheese, and fruit, maybe a little wine. Um, and work my way up. And there were people, once they knew they could get out, I'd go, well, I don't want to go today. I want to go tomorrow. So they would trade numbers. Mm-hmm. So I shortened my stay probably, I think I spent three nights at the train station. No shower. Now, why didn't you just call your buddies on their cell phone? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly why. No cell phones. You know, no, no nothing. Right. Yeah. Wanted to call home and go wire me some money. Mama, help. That is Mama, crazy. I mean, calling. just to think, like, because you hear people hear this now and they're like, you know, it's like a scary movie where you're like, well, don't just run away from the run away the, the, from what, the what are you doing? You know, it's like, no, those, those weren't options. Nowhere to run. Not, not, you know, you just, like, so you have to stay calm all the time because it was easy to go, oh my God, I am broke in a foreign country and I'm, 22 years old. What the hell do I know? That's when you do find out you don't know everything Mm -hmm. that you think you do when you're in that 18 Mm -hmm. to 22 range. But I got myself to New York, and then I had to buy a ticket and take the shuttle to D.C. But I hadn't showered in three days. Uh, I didn't look good, smell good, or feel good. Mm -hmm. But never been so glad to set foot back in the good old U.S. of A. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so how did that, did that, what, what did that do as far as like, then you got a full-time job in you know, Alabama? Okay. So then I started bartending and substitute teaching. So I needed some money, uh, while I job hunted and I thought I wanted to get into economic development. So I was knocking on doors, uh, in Mississippi and in Alabama. I probably should have gone to markets that had jobs. Uh, but I love the coast, as I right, said right. earlier. I wanted to live on the water, mm-hmm. except for Nashville. And uh, the Mobile Chamber was going to add their first ever salesperson. They didn't have much money. And Dave Jones gave me the reference of mm-hmm. my life. And, of course, they said, they called it the Travel and Convention Department. We don't have much money. We'll need you to travel. You'll make sales calls. You'll go to trade shows. You'll entertain. And I'm going, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, little did I know. Again, I did not know what I was right, right. getting into or 
Well, I love just hearing everything of just like when somebody can look at you now and go, oh, man, you know. Well, I guess just never realize the work ethic. Well, actually, I guess I think if they probably know you, it sounds like they know your work ethic anyways, but you just never know how hard someone worked in their younger years and, you know, what they gained to be what they are now, you know? Yeah, I here when we hire my number one thing is to try to figure out, does that person have work ethic? Hmm. I can teach you Nashville. I can probably teach how we sell, but I can't teach work ethic, integrity, mm-hmm. you know, and even common sense. So I, I look for that right. more than anything else because you can't teach. You hope to see what what. You hope to see what Don, Don, is it? No, David. What David saw in you and what you see in other Mm -hmm. people. All right, so shout out. Your favorite local restaurant and favorite (laughs) nonprofit. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Which you might not, but you might not could say that. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to cheat. I will say I am one of my favorite, two of my favorite haunts are the Elliston Soda Shop and Hermitage Cafe on Mm. First Avenue. So I'll try to go in for breakfast or lunch occasionally just because I think the gritty, authentic Nashville doesn't ever need to go away. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I'll flip and say, I probably on the higher end, I become a fan of folk. Mm -hmm. Uh, Philip Krajic's second project, he owns Rolf Rolf and Daughters. Okay. Um, And uh, non-profit. Oh, wow. Um, I try to support several. My wife's on the board of the YW. The work they do for domestic violence is pretty mm-hmm. incredible. Um, I'm a big fan of Thistle Farms mm-hmm. uh, and Second Harvest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've done a lot with Second Harvest during the tornado and pandemic to try to give them some extra resources. Yeah. So, uh, you know, all right. They all do good work. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there of good is. ones around. This town is so it's, generous, it, isn't it? All right. So uh, you pick up the phone one day in Louisiana, and it's a headhunter calling to tell you about a job in Nashville. What was the first thing that went through your mind when you hung up the phone? Uh, Nashville's the only inland city I would ever live in. Uh, I needed, I knew I wasn't going to stay in Baton Rouge. If I'm not challenged every day, it's not a good scenario for me. And I felt like we had accomplished, literally, Baton Rouge had outkicked its coverage on several things we had done. I always say it might have been the best job I'd ever have. They loved me. I loved them. The food was great. We had a blast. Tiger Stadium on Saturday nights is everything that it's cracked up to be. And, you know, I could do no wrong. So I even had to ask them, I said, this is not about money or anything. It is just about where does my career go? Because if I don't take a step soon, then I'm going to stay at that level. So uh, it was Nashville. The Vanderbilt connection, the stepping stone. I truly thought Nashville was the 
next tier, and then I would stay here for five or six years and jump to a real city. Mm -hmm. That was kind of in my head. Four cities, uh, four steps. And uh, I knew what Opryland had done and meant in this industry nationally. So I knew I could learn from them. And uh, I had to hear what they had to say. I'm a big believer. If anybody calls you, you owe it to yourself to listen. I tell my own employees, I said, that doesn't mean I want you to go anywhere, and I hope you'll talk to me after. But if somebody calls you, it's good for morale, it's good for ego, you're going to learn mm-hmm. something, and you're going to make a friend. Mm-hmm. So do it. And I would, you know, maybe some unsolicited advice. Um, always hear what somebody's got to say. Uh, it ended up working out pretty good, and literally came... Thought I made a mistake, got my ass kicked uh, indirectly by Opryland. I didn't know it mm-hmm. at the time. They were a much more powerful, influential. They weren't an 800-pound gorilla. They were an 8,000-pound gorilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, they deserve all the credit in the world for building our leisure tourism and our convention business and putting us on the map. <coughs> and the people in play there and we've had our moments of disagreement but they're great partners and we mm-hmm. we work perfectly together so no issues but early on I thought I was hired to represent Nashville and I think really I was hired to do what Opryland told me to do mm. and I don't do that well mm-hmm. so I had some rough moments it was a little normal right all right, so when you arrived in Music City in 1991, what were the first few years like? Kind of elaborating on that. And how did you go about putting a plan together to make Nashville the city, uh, the it city, or was that part of the vision back then? Um, I always felt like Nashville could do more than it was doing. You know, and to my point about Opryland, because Nashville didn't itself didn't offer a lot, they really didn't sell Nashville. They sold Opryland. You fly in, you go there, theme park, Opry, hotel. You could do it all there. And so they hid Nashville. Now, to their credit, they were right. Nashville didn't have a lot to offer, so why would you? It wasn't did have an country asset. music, right? Yeah. Um, and even that was all out at Opryland. Mm. Um, so I, I started digging in. I got my hand slapped brought a presentation, really spent the first six or eight weeks drilling down, meeting with people, talking, and I wrote a marketing plan uh, and uh, presented it. I answered to a tourist commission then, and they looked at me and said, they, the chairman, are you presenting this for informational purposes or for approval? It was a public meeting. And you could have heard a pin drop, man. So you should never have given me the choice. I said, for informational, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you what we're doing. You can mm. question me. You can, you know, make suggestions. But you hired me to do a job. And the chairman said, well, I disagree. I think this needs to be approved. Now, mind you, I had been here a couple months. I had left what I would have considered my best job ever, even today, um, just in terms of security, fun, mm-hmm. just I could 
I don't want to say I could do no wrong because I certainly could have done wrong, but I was given a lot of latitude. And so we argued for probably 45 minutes, and everybody was like, nobody wanted to engage. Mm. Everybody wanted it to go away, and I wouldn't let it go away. And somebody said to my point, why don't we we'll come back, let's just move on. And I scared shitless raised my hand and said, excuse me, with all due respect, we can't move on. I don't know what to do when I come to work tomorrow. Mm. So we need to decide. And I'd done my homework. I'm, mm-hmm. I was fairly reasonably savvy. I had called my board members ahead of time, had talked through, and I knew where they were, mm-hmm. although I didn't expect them to turn on me, mm-hmm. or at least I'd say my term is go turtle. Right. They just, you know, could hear nothing. Um, but little by little, I got them to say, this was honest to God quote. Well, I guess he's right. We should give him enough rope to hang himself. That was the vote of confidence I got <laughs> two months on the job. You're like, that's what I needed. Yeah. Motivation. And so I turned it and said, that's perfect. Let me do my job. If it doesn't work, you won't have to ask me to leave but at least allow me to try. Mm-hmm. And so they reluctantly Gave you the rope. To, what's that? I said they gave you the rope. They gave me the rope. And fortunately, I had enough of it. Right. Came close a couple <laughs> times to the end of it. Uh, and I even heard afterwards one of the Opryland leaders said to somebody, maybe we made a mistake because mm. I wasn't a puppet, you know. If they'd have asked me that up front, they'd have known that. I would have said no. You know, I, I had two job interviews earlier in my career, one in, with Pensacola, and, and the chairman handed me his marketing plan. And he said, here's the plan we want. And I went, so you want me to implement your plan, and if it doesn't work, I'm accountable. And he said, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and I wanted to live on the beach mm-hmm. so freaking bad, but I said no. And then I had an interview in Daytona. And kind of similar, the guy asked me, said, go home. I had been through the mill two days of interviews and write, essentially write a marketing plan. And I'm like, so you want me to write your marketing plan, but you, you haven't made a job offer. You, hmm. Why would I do that? You know, all I have is my intellectual property. I don't have money. I don't have influence. I, you know, I, and mm-hmm. I'm not even saying I have a lot of intellectual property. Uh, so I told him no, and I went home, and all those decisions mm-hmm. that I didn't make turned out to be good decisions yeah. for me. That's awesome. How much time do you have? Uh, I'm good for fifteen, fifteen twenty. Okay, Wait, is that right. enough? You just tell me. Okay, because I uh, yeah I got. Quite a few questions. All right, okay. so you noted Nashville being cooperative, collaborative, and having the spirit of community and helping each other for the good of the big picture. Was that always present, or did those characteristics evolve over the last three decades? Uh, I think it's always been in Nashville's DNA. Uh, I think it was maybe more isolated back in that day of Opryland controlling the industry. Um, 
But I really saw it, I'd say, from the first tornado and theme park closing and even the Titan effort with Houston Oilers. Everybody kind of galvanizing. So maybe I'd put it where it really hit me was in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. That we had, there was something special here about how the community pulled together. Right. And uh, it's been invaluable to me. So well, I, it's interesting because as I've interviewed different people in different industries, like that's the common theme. You always hear that, you know, um, that they're, you're not here to cut throat. You're here to lift each other up, help each other, you know. I mean, obviously, you're always going to have a little competition between stuff, but it just... Yeah, healthcare industry, music industry, mm-hmm. hospitality industry. It, there's a lot of success, but it's all come from, yeah. So we'll theme park closes when? In, uh, summer of 98 was the first right. summer. So just before we got here. How come we haven't got another theme park? Um, we weren't the right market at that particular time. A lot of people kicked our tires. Um, but at that window, it was like, is mm-hmm. it the population big enough? And then as people started to look, um, I know there were a couple instances under Mayor Purcell, and he didn't want to talk about it. Mm. So, you know, we lost a couple opportunities. But hindsight, and I miss it, mm-hmm. certainly would have made my job easier. I think we're a better city really? without it. So you think, okay, so you wouldn't say we need a theme park? Uh, Oh, I would certainly take it, uh, but for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it made us stronger, better, more collaborative when we had to come together and pull ourselves out of the ditch. And we pulled ourselves out Mm -hmm. of the ditch really three times. So it made you focus on other stuff when you would have just said, this is our bread and butter. It's like, no, we need some... Mm -hmm. Diversity and what instead of hanging your hat on one thing, it would be a nice asset today to extend a stay to develop an area of town that maybe needed. And especially that was all like over there, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's what's fun about Nashville is getting here and you have you can just stay here and do everything, you know. Um, All right, so as actually, oh yeah, so. uh, what were your thoughts as the river began to rise in 2010? <laughs> well, first, on Saturday, as I'm watching <clears throat> trucks and buildings float down the interstate, I'm also telling the mayor and some other friends, Jimmy Buffett was playing Saturday night at the arena, and they were a little concerned, and I, I talked to the arena, and I said, staff is in, band's in, it's a sellout. I... Uh, checked hotels, or a lot of people staying in hotels. It, it became a almost worse to not put everybody in one place mm. than to have that many people either downtown or out and about. Uh, so I recommended we don't cancel. The mayor and the police chief went on stage that night, and they don't think anybody was listening to them, mm-hmm. but they said, The Nashville you're going to go home to tonight is different than the Nashville you left Mm. when you came to this show. So pay attention to the roads and your neighborhoods. So they they gave the right message. And then the next day, uh, you couldn't pick my chin up off the floor. Mm. Uh, My phone was blowing up. And then I came down. I literally went on the roof of the Hilton and 
looked at what was happening and my heart sank mm-hmm. and I just realized we were in for for a long haul. Yeah. Six months was a miracle that we were back. Was it six after months? After six months. How how quick did it like from the point it started rising to like stuff being water in, was it like Within a day or 20? I don't remember the time frame. No, it was pretty much. I mean, it started rising on Sunday, mm. and it just it it just kept. kept so on. half a day maybe. I think I came down Monday. I remember I was I was like, I want to go down and see it, you know. So mm. I was driving down um, First Avenue, Hermitage Avenue, and it was right before there was an area right underneath the interstate, and so I was in my wife's Honda Pilot. And I was like, yeah, I could do this. So I drive through, and it was up to the grill. Uh-huh. <clears throat> got downtown, walked across the pedestrian bridge and saw it all. I was like, man, that's crazy. And then ironically, um, because I went through the water, there was a seal in the transmission. It ended up eroding it. <laughs> and so I had to spend about three or 400 bucks to have a little $3 seal, seal in the yeah. transmission. I was like, ah, it was worth it. <laughs> she had to, yeah, my, my most vivid, and I think it was the Hilton called me. And they said, the Hall of Fame, the arena, I think the Symphony Hall, the Hilton, and we had dug the hole for the convention center. Mm. They were all pumping water out of their buildings. Mm-hmm. So envision what I just described. Mm-hmm. And I had to come see it for myself. So all they were doing was pumping the water to each other. Mm. It was the Keystone Oh, right, cops. just pumping it out of the building. Yeah. Where's it going so to go? So it was the, all the buildings around the Walk of Fame Park. And I was like, damn, and somebody, uh, I think it was Ray Walters at the Hilton said, can you help? Can we, we're, and so I, I came down and looked, and I called the construction company mm-hmm. of the center because there was a six-story hole. Wow, you're like, ground. get it in and there. And I go, if you could maybe stop pumping and let us send water there, we could get our head up. And they were like, well, we're on a schedule, and there's penalties. I go, I will help wow. you figure the penalties out, make some calls, because this is insanity at its highest mark. And to their credit, within an hour, they called back and said, we're shutting our pumps off. We get it. So we started sending yeah. the water there to literally figure out what the damage was with all of these buildings. Yeah, but, that's interesting. Who would have thought that that big old uh, yeah. Music City Center was like, save? Because, yeah, that's funny. It's like, no, I want to save me. No, I want to save me. Well, what we're doing is trans- we were doing putting nothing. it somewhere else. Now, would you say, so our house flooded like three years ago, um, one we recently sold. And afterwards, I got like 20000 worth of insurance for 1000 bucks, and it was a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. Were there some places around here that was like, all right, great, we got to – you know, renovate it, or was it was it still like a? Uh, some benefited from insurance, but I don't know of anybody that. That's true. I forget would, this flood insurance. It's different than what I had. Yeah, yeah, it was a different. Yeah. Animal and most people, if you didn't have, fl- mm-hmm. and most didn't. Yeah. It was a difference. You're relying on some federal right. money. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was a. Um, all right, so what, what are three of your biggest accomplishments over the last three decades? Man, see, I, I don't ever look at them like my accomplishments. I, I truly don't. That's true, and actually the funny thing is even as I, as I was wording that, I thought, well, I know it's not just you, but it's yeah, everything. I, but 
three, that, three of um, the biggest accomplishments of for Nashville, Nashville over the last that, that three I, If I had played a role, the relocation of the Oilers, I never in my wildest dream would I have thought I would have any role, much less a decent role, not the biggest, but because um, that just came out of nowhere mm-hmm. and was so cool. And to see it 21 years later, mm-hmm. what we're doing. Um, oh, the Music City Center, because that was a 14-year battle from wow. the first conversation to ribbon cutting, 14 years. Uh, and maybe taking the Music City brand, so I was, I'd say we had a nickname and we had a product. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a brand. And getting the community to buy in, to look at it as broader than country music, but not downplaying or mm-hmm. being insulting to country because that couldn't be further from the truth, uh, but turning it into a global brand that truly is recognized and we own it uh, is pretty significant, but that took a -hmm. lot of time and a lot of effort. What was the nickname? Country Music Capital? Well, we were either, we were Music City USA. Okay. Um, But it was always defined as country music. Mm -hmm. So we had music and we had Music City USA, but it wasn't a brand. Mm -hmm. We didn't, we couldn't back it up. The city didn't like it. If you went to Vanderbilt or law firms or banks, they hid from it. Mm. And so, no, we're not, it's not a brand. We're not using it right. And it's not defined like these pictures on this wall mm-hmm. from the Fist Jubilee singers to the Kings of Leon and songwriters, mm-hmm. musicians. You know, we had a story. We had a 150-year-old story. Mm-hmm. And we were acting like everything was about hee-haw. Right, right. And so, no, yeah. it can work for us, and it's worked beyond mine or anybody else's yeah. expectations. So, those are probably at the top. Mm-hmm. I would add British Air flight to London and the NFL draft as two maybe of the more hard, fun, and rewarding, just from mm-hmm. at a different level. Mm-hmm. British Air was probably five years. Mm. The NFL draft was seven years. Mm-hmm. So people think, oh, you're right. lucky. Or, oh, that just happened. You so, just They just called you up. Hey, yeah. we're going to do a draft here. You're like, sure, oh, come on. Here's, yeah, you know. It's like, uh-uh. Yeah. yeah. All right, so um, as much as I'm sure you have loved what you do, I'm sure it has not come without challenges. What are some of the biggest challenges you have had to push through personally and business-wise, excluding COVID? Uh, so we could take downtown tornado. So in one year, 98, tornado, uh, cicadas. Cicadas messed it up, really? Cicada. No, I and remember the, the cicadas. The theme park, all in the same year. Okay. And somebody would laugh, well, why does cicadas? Yeah. Well, Air Canada canceled a flight from Toronto to here because the flight attendants refused to get on the plane because they saw these cicada carcasses. Well, that went out as an AP wire story. So it, it was a bigger issue. People don't go there. So that was all in one year that I'll never forget. Oh, my, my goodness. My Civic Club stump speech was 
cicadas, tornadoes, and theme parks. Oh, my. And that's just how I laid it out. That's what we're dealing with. Um, the flood and the recession combined. Mm-hmm. And as much about putting people back to work uh, was mind-blowing that you all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. These people are relying their livelihood is at stake, right. restaurants, hotels. So you go through that. Um, and then, you know, tornado and COVID combined, because we were raising money. We were trying to help our industry in East Nashville, especially got hit pretty hard. Right. People out of work, businesses gone. So we were trying to do some help, and then it just it mm-hmm. was exacerbated. Uh, so those three things are maybe unexpected hurdles or challenges. Then getting our foot, getting my foot in the door at the beginning, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how hard. Like I literally went, what did I do? Mm-hmm. Why did I leave that? And I, nobody wants to let me do my job. I'm supposed to shut up and take it. And that's not my They obviously didn't know you. Well, yeah, when they no. <laughs> interviewed you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then the convention center, because Mayor Purcell was just pretty much no, and he made it hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he didn't know me well either. <laughs> and the harder you make it, the harder you're like, I'm sweet, work. more obstacles to overcome, right? <laughs> yeah. I go, okay. I see how this is. I see the rules. You know, I don't like it. The rules change all the time, but okay. Right. So, you know, we took it underground, and that's one of those things like, you know, I would tell you I work my ass off. I would tell you this organization worked its ass off. But I would tell you the fact that we went out to the general business community and said, we need your help. Marty Dickens, Bob Fisher, T.B. Boyd, Ron Samuels, business leaders. We said, we need your help. If I say it, of course I'm supposed to like Mm -hmm. a new convention center. But if you say it's important and you're a university president or the head of Bell South or a bank president, you don't have anything to gain except Nashville. So even the publisher of the newspaper at the time, those people being willing to say, we get it. And we trust you. So, yeah, let's go try to make this happen. Mm-hmm. That was that was probably my aha moment of how you really pull mm. a community together and get everybody on the same page and just go for broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's rewarding, to say the least, because it's the game changer. Yeah, that's so amazing. This, you know, I think about being in sales. I'm like, oh, you know, you work with somebody. Maybe it takes a year for them to end up buying. You know, I can imagine 15 years of finally seeing it. And then, you know, years after that to see the rewards of it, you know, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. And as it still comes well, you, in. You know, I remember I'd go into Carl Dean's office and he'd looked at me a couple of times. And he'd go, are you sure? <laughs> well, yeah. Not really the question you want. And I remember distinctly my answer to him was, you know, Mayor, I can wake up in the morning. I can look in the mirror. I like what I see. I trust what I see. And my palms are dry. Mm -hmm. If either one of those two things change, you'll be my first call. 
Mm. But he was like, okay. That. He was great. He trusted mm-hmm. us as professionals. He weighed the benefits versus the risk, uh, and he was all in. So he yeah. deserves a ton of credit. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so what is your secret sauce to bringing vision to fruition? What are some of the key components you must get right? Um, you can't be scared of failing because that's the surest way to fail. Um, having that dream or vision, but making sure it's steeped in reality. What's the path? It's easy to dream, but what is the path to get there? Is there a path that you can create? It doesn't have to be there, but you have to know that you can build the stones. Uh, And you can't listen to the critics or the noise because most people, the average person even, and I could say it about the Titans, I could say it about British Air, I could say it about the convention center, it'll never happen. The NFL draft's never gonna come. New Year's Eve is a bad idea. The Music City Bowl, why are we doing that? It's cold, it's wet, it's, those things won't happen. And if that's your attitude, those people are right. But being that, being willing to not just go, oh, look at me, I'm right, but give people the confidence and help prop them up so that they understand that vision. But, you know, I think at the heart of it, too, you have to, you can't be risk adverse. Mm-hmm. You have to have a little bit of gambler in you, too. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think I'm that different, but you're, there's that why and then there's the why not right i'm in the why not you know right screw it right i in the the nfl draft literally i called the tights said let's go to new york let's go ask them about the draft and the the gentleman in charge of the draft we don't move it so literally we went before they had ever even remotely thought about it and my answer was well you should now, I knew I was fishing in the dark, but if you don't go fishing, you're definitely not going to catch anything. And we don't win them all by mm-hmm. a long shot. But calculate your risk, hedge your bets. Mm-hmm. So was it, was it based on that conversation that kind of got them to go, well, you know, maybe we can. You know, I, I certainly can't take credit for that, but a couple years later, they sent out an RFP mm-hmm. and we're thinking about it and we were included in the solicitation. So I hope we helped. Mm-hmm. You know, I think at the end of the day, when they moved it to Chicago, it's because they had a conflict mm-hmm. in New York. Mm-hmm. And so that got them out of their comfort zone and they saw they had something. But I would tell you, we saw they had something before they did. Yeah. Um, it's just that. Yeah. And then we knocked it out of the park. Yeah. So you think they'll come back? Yeah, I do. Yeah. We're uh, we're still friends. Yeah. We still talk regularly. Uh, I admire them so much, and that's one of those things that, without question, the draft. It was the NFL's event. They are the best in the world when they do Super Bowls, draft, comp, whatever they do. They just are. So I saw it as I can put Nashville 
alongside the shield. That's a good thing. And I will learn a ton. Mm -hmm. Without question, I'm going to learn. And then if I can convince them that we know what we're doing, then we can make this Mm -hmm. pretty special. The police and I, beforehand, we were laughing. We said, the NFL was thinking, okay, maybe 50,000 people a day downtown. So we said, let's plan for 100. And we both said, we'll exceed that. We we thought maybe 150,000 mm-hmm. in the street per day. So we were wrong. What was the final number per 200, day? 200,000 a day. <clears throat> um, but we had enough confidence in ourselves. Mm-hmm. We had done enough big events. We know how Nashville draws. We know how the community responds. And we didn't say it publicly because mm-hmm. no fun failing right. that bad. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's in the DNA of the police department and the fire department mm-hmm. and public works. They're like, we're all going back to that kind of community we are. Everybody stepped up. Everybody contributed. And we shined like no other city had mm-hmm. ever shined on that stage. And people are still talking about it. Mm-hmm. Well, a year and a half later, it's named the best sporting event in the country wow. for 2019. Nice. Think about, and yeah. in my opinion, it's not a sporting event. Right. But it won best sporting event. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty awesome. And so it, All right. So let's talk about the IndyCar series. What um, excited you about bringing that to Nashville? Um, probably for me, failure. I had worked on it with some other groups probably three other times. And for a variety of reasons. One time they were just arrogant. Their price tag was way too high. Um, another time the group working on it wasn't capable. Uh, but I don't like failure. And so... It's like something different matters. Global awareness matters. The time of year matters. So this time around, August was really valuable. Music City Grand Prix street race meant international eyes. We've already had bookings from uh, international inquiries. Uh, It will be televised on network television. Uh, so it checked the boxes and filled a hole. Mm. And uh, we were ready. Roger Penske being involved gave me all the sense of confidence in the world. The opportunity to meet him was cool in its own right, but also impressive. Mm-hmm. Kind of I, Anything I enter, I try to enter with, we want to be your partner, but I also want to learn from you. Mm-hmm. And you know, somebody of his ilk and at his age Mm -hmm. to still be as sharp as he is and in charge as he is was pretty impressive. Yeah. So do you think there's, like I've I've, I've told my wife before, you know, I guess finally landing in real estate and liking it, that I wanted to race cars. Is there any any connection that maybe I can get in one of the cars and drive it around the track? (laughs) You You never know. (laughs) Uh, The cars will be on display. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be one you could get in. I don't know if they'll let you crank it up. You don't think so? They won't let me drive it around the course. Yeah. Dang. All um, right. Yeah, my a, a lender I work with, he's like, yeah, I think I'm. he's thinking about buying one of the packages. I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. You definitely need to do that. Yeah, do know? that for sure. <laughs> you know, it is. It, 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 for me, probably the last thing I ever talk about, but the first thing I always think about, 
would be, well, Nashvilleians enjoy this. Mm -hmm. Is it something they couldn't get somewhere else or another time of year? And that matters. The draft was like that. Even New Year's Eve, as we grew it, it's like, let's give an event that Nashville wants to come to. The visitors will come right. if the locals like it. Well, and that's, what, yeah, just the thought of like that's with social media, that's like, that's a whole extension of marketing right there. You get us excited. It's like, oh, oh man, we want, to, we want to tout all about Nashville. You We've know? never had the money to compete on a national level, but PR promotions, activations, and social media uh, have been our best friend. How much do you think uh, Nashville contributed to it? Um, I think it helped us enormously on the international stage. It sped up our development, our progress, our, our level of travel uh, probably by 10 years. Mm -hmm. But what I would say, and I've said it to them and have had some fun with it, because everybody immediately went to, oh, you don't have to sell. Oh, you have that. Oh, I'm like, two things. We were on a three-year run out of a nine-year run that we ended up having before the show came along. Mm. So three years into this trajectory. And they didn't pick us because they felt sorry for us and mm. we sucked. They came here because something special was happening. Mm -hmm. So I will never downplay the value and the asset and the good fortune. The cast, the producers, the directors, they all became great allies. Still talk to Sam Palladio and Chip Eston mm -hmm. today. Uh, but we were doing this first. Mm -hmm. And Nashville shouldn't sell itself short. And I say it as much about that. We don't need to go, oh, we got lucky. We had a one-hit wonder, and right. what happened? No, we worked our asses off mm -hmm. to get to a good place, and we benefited from that as a result. Yeah, because you can't all the whole collaboration and all that. Yeah. That was us. So that was just something to add to it that yeah, people saw. Yeah, it helped. And Opryland, Ryman Hospitality mm -hmm. deserves all the credit in the world for bringing it to life. All right, so let's see. Uh, all right, so uh, I should a couple more, and then all right, let's shift gears for a minute and focus on family. How long have you and Sonny been married, and what was your proposal story? <laughs> oh, um, so in March, I think it'll be 19 years. I say that because we had some friends over, maybe six, well before pandemic, so actually a week before pandemic mm -hmm. and they were at dinner at our house and somehow we had the subject and we were arguing over what year we got married and my wife she's the smart one in the family she goes we engraved the date on right. our ring i did too so we took our rings off we have different years what on our rings oh my goodness so that became the story and the comedy That's hour weird of the evening um but i was right okay that's rare especially mm -hmm. when it comes to anniversaries birthdays mm -hmm. holidays anything so it'd be 19 years in march and actually so you got married march of 01 is that right uh is that am i doing the math right no march of 02 okay we got married in 01 okay uh yeah you'll be in trouble yeah. you'll forget yeah um 
I actually convinced her that we needed to get up the year of there was this historic meteor shower. That was almost once in a lifetime, kind of. It was going to happen at 2 or 3 in the morning. So I said, let's, let's go down to Leaper's Fork. Let's go in the middle of nowhere where there's mm. no city lights so we can get the full impact. So we literally got up. I'd say, you know, as close to being in PJs as we could, drove out to Leaper's Fork, found a dirt road driveway, pulled off, sat on the hood of the car, watched the meteor shower, and at some point that evening I pulled out a ring and, yeah. and, and asked the question. And I figured she would always remember that, and I could probably never top that mm-hmm. Mother Nature's opportunity. Right. So I, I took it. And, and the meteor worked. shower, could you see the stars? Oh, my God. That's the, that's the thing. You always see the media showers, and then it's like cloudy, so it was perfect. No, you can time. see everything. It was perfect. Oh, that's night. awesome. Shooting stars. It was. Did disgusting. you have an idea? No, none. none. Nice. Shoot, I probably didn't have an idea. Well, so. you, you, you do seem to plan in advance pretty well, so I'm sure you probably had uh, that. She may not agree with that, but yeah. on big stuff, yeah, I try to. Um, all right, so how important is it? Uh, has it been to have a Sonny by your side? And what have been some rewards or challenges of raising four kids? Um, blended families have their challenge. Okay. Uh, but I think we've leaned on each other to help that. She had one son. I had three girls. So having a female presence helped me. Having a male presence helped her. So I think that's the advantage. Uh, the challenge is, is just that you're not my dad, you're mm-hmm. not my mom, kind of stupid mm-hmm. adolescent uh, thinking that occurs. But overall, I think it, it worked out really yeah. well. And I try to be pretty self-deprecating, you know, and I I don't read my own press. I don't, you know, I, I don't sit there and look at how good we did tonight mm-hmm. you know i i move on quickly to not let myself get caught up in you know self-adulation but she does a really good job of keeping me grounded mm-hmm. yeah she'll sharp elbow like uh-uh mm-hmm. or no and that you know you need that right there's, right there's been enough success that you know you can feel pretty good about accomplishments and you know, I want to enjoy them, but I also, you don't do anything alone. If you're looking backwards, you're not going to get ahead. And being challenged is important to my DNA. Mm-hmm. So I... You don't like being bored, right? Can't stand it. All right, so COVID, what have been the challenges? How long before we recover? Uh, will Nashville be changed long term as a result of this pandemic? Should we wear a face mask or not? And kidding on the last one. Um, <laughs> I would answer the last question first. The face mask is the best option or alternative we have to having any kind of semblance of normalcy. So, yes. Okay. We should wear the damn mask. <laughs> you know, I don't care what your opinions are on it. It's all we got. So I want to stay open. I want to mm-hmm. conduct some business. Um the economy needs it, and people need their jobs. Um, the pandemic has absolutely been the hardest thing I have ever faced, mm-hmm. uh, as much because it changes almost daily. 
and there's no end in sight. So you know it will end. Mm -hmm. Common sense will tell you, okay, we'll get through this, and that's helpful. But when you can't see it, and how long do you have to keep propping somebody else Mm -hmm. up and motivating them and shifting and pivoting? And planning and planning for the And moving and planning again. So uh, that's been the hardest part about it. The rewarding part about it has been the things. So we gave a half a million to the United Way to go to individuals that need help. We raised $1.4 million through our foundation to give away to people that needed help. It started with the tornado, and we pivoted. I love the pandemic word of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've given away almost $3,500, $300 or $500 Visa gift cards mm-hmm. to individuals. Here, you need help. We want to help you. Um, and then... We also have, uh, through some CARES Act money from the state tied to marketing, we created a program to stream live music globally. So it had to be marketing. But through that, we were able to pay artists and songwriters, and we were able to prop up 15 local music clubs mm-hmm. that good. would have gone out of business. Yeah. I, I, think I, read, I read some of that. Yeah. So it's called Music City Bandwidth. Yeah. So, yep. so at the end of the day, we're broke. We have no real revenue coming in. We've had no real bailout operationally. We've got some marketing money from the state, but there's nothing to market either. Uh, we have pumped $2 million into the community to help individuals. Mm. So that to me is nobody expected it. Uh, you know, here, one of our staff members, when I said, we're going to raise some money, and we're going to give it away. They went, well, we can't do that, and we don't know how. And I said, you're right, both both counts. We're going to get scammed. We're going to get criticized. But we're going to do some good, too. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do it. And then the question was, well, what do you think? What can we raise? For, what do you think? I said, if we raise 100000 I won't be embarrassed. Mm. We raised $1.4 wow. million. Wow. Uh, not come with that is kind of a statement about the city, mm-hmm. this industry, and this organization. So yeah. it feels awesome. pretty good to to do that. And we're all just hoping it ends soon and opens back up. Yeah, I do full-time. think our recovery. To let yeah. your last question, I think when we know there's a vaccine or a light mm-hmm. at the end of the tunnel, I think we're one of the faster mm-hmm. returns to some semblance of normalcy. I don't think we'll get back to those stupid good levels we were at for a while, but I think we get back to profitability pretty quick. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to say I think we start seeing some real movement by March, and by summer we feel like we're okay. Yeah. Knock on wood again. Good. Good to hear. Well, I know the real estate market, it stayed hot. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess, again, with our – our desirable city. People want to get away from. Yeah, some people of their are still moving business. here. Yep. Businesses are relocating, and even on weekends, you can see people mm-hmm. want to come play on Broadway. We're not doing any marketing mm-hmm. to speak of. We've right. done a tiny bit. We were starting, and we pulled it back again because of this latest right. spike. So, from the great words of Paul and Timothy four seven, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? 
You know, somebody asked me recently about legacy. And I think my answer then is my answer now. You know, I will walk out the door still swinging, chasing something. Probably even after I'm gone, still helping. And I'm going to leave the legacy for somebody else to decide. That's not false bravado. That's just like, you know, if they say he worked his ass off, he did a good job, I'm good with that, too. But you're not you're not going to present them your legacy marketing plan and say you got to do this. You're going to let them kind of do their thing. No, I'm going to let them do their own. I, you know, with a little luck, I'm going to offer to consult when they need me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope they'll call. But when you hand the keys over to somebody, mm-hmm. you should hand the keys over mm-hmm. and not unplug the battery so they can't start the car. Mm-hmm. You know, I want this town has so much potential. Still, this organization has a lot to give back. And I, you know, maybe that, if there were ever a legacy, mm-hmm. is that this thing roars on. Yeah. Uh, well, it's cool to just think, you know, as whenever the time comes you retire, you could just stay here and look at your legacy and you were a part of this, you know. Yeah, That's you know, cool. I, I, without question, I'm proud to have been a part of a ton of cool things and challenges. So, I, you know, I get that. I'm not in denial mm-hmm. uh, that we played a role. But I think the better contribution is playing a, a role and acknowledging you know, that it takes a village, it takes the community. You don't do anything alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, Time and persistence I'm living as well proof. and patience. Yeah. Right? I mean, I can be that thorn in your side. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at what about that? Why'd you quit? Even whether it's at the courthouse, the Capitol, my board, or the hotel. No, we're going to fight right. the good fight. Right. But, uh, right. That's awesome. All right. So uh, this will be real quick. So the Nashville Real Estate Minute for you. How long have you lived in Nashville? Uh, 29 and a half years. Um, what made you choose Nashville? We know your job. Um, what community did you land in and why that location? When I got here? Well, or now. Yeah, I mean. So uh, three neighborhoods that I've lived in. First one was Green Hills, central geographic, mm-hmm. convenient location. Traffic was not. Second one was Hillsborough Village. I was single. It seemed like a place I could walk to some restaurants and bars mm-hmm. and have some social life and still be close to work. And then now I live near Radnor Lake mm-hmm. and kind of same when we moved out there, it was much more about the solace, the tranquility mm-hmm. of kind of hidden off the street close to Radnor. And it wasn't what it is now. Now it's grown up around me. So mm-hmm. it was, and plus, you're by the the water now, right? Water, yeah. <laughs> you can take a sailboat in there, right? <laughs> Haven't done that. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me a great memory that you often share about Nashville. Um, so when I moved here, this might not be the one you're looking for. Shortly after I was here and moved here from Louisiana, and I was pretty excited. Then the Nashville scene's best of issue came out. And the best seafood was Red Lobster, and the best pizza was Pizza Hut. And 
I truly went, no, what have I done? And this can't be. Uh, so to know that that is not the case today and having that memory stick in my head and go, we have a lot of work to do. That was just after you moved here? Yeah. That is hilarious. It's burned in oh my, my memory. Oh, my gosh, Red Lobster and, and pizza. pizza. No offense to those guys, but. That's why since we've been here, we've always, like date nights, we're like, we're going to come into Nashville. We've had friends that are like, yeah, because I live in Mount Juliet. And they're like, oh, you know, we want to eat somewhere. And it's like, no, you got to go experience Nashville. We've oh, always yeah. been like. Chains, chains are needed. Yeah. And they do good work. But yeah, to understand yeah. a city or a location, oh, you have yeah. to eat local, experience <laughs> local. <laughs> that is hilarious. I've never heard that. Oh. Um, what to look for in a good real estate agent? Um. Somebody that will listen to you. Do what? What'd you say? I didn't hear you. Somebody that uh, will listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and pay attention. Like, I, I, everybody's different. Some people need to be led to water. Some people need to just be presented options. Mm -hmm. You know, is, you know, budget, location. Uh, I want to be the same way when I buy a car. I can figure out what I want. Mm -hmm. Show me what you got. Tell me about it. And then step back and let me Don't get Don't try that. to sell me on it. Yeah. Uh, so I always do that when they say, because that's a lot of the, I want somebody to listen. I'm like, what? what you say? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> All right. So uh, what advice would you give to someone looking to move to Nashville? Um, do it. Great city. Great people. Great future lying ahead. Uh, and then... Really, that's where a realtor can be really helpful. Describe what you want, because that's one of the beauties of this town. Our neighborhoods, you can find exactly what you want here. Mm -hmm. You want new. You want gated community. You want everybody to be just alike. You want completely eclectic. Mm -hmm. You want schools. You, you want entertainment, uh, history, uh, big, small, uh, Yep, we got Describe it all. Describe it. You, we have it all, and all in a good way, good right. quality. Right, right. And that's kind of what's neat, too, is because even, like, trying new places. Oh, let's go to East Nashville and go to the, you know, Tomato Fest and eat some stuff there. Go to Centennial Park or the Nations or, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. And then I play the last thing I'd add. And once you do it, take it in. Mm -hmm. You know, learn your city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I be a tour sometimes. Yeah. That's what's always fun when people come and visit, you know, and you get to go. Because, you know, I'm not always going downtown and stuff. And actually, uh, Linda I work with, he's like, all right, I got three three tickets to the Titans. Three games, you know. He's like, Sunday or Thursday. I said, Thursday night, November 13th. I'm like, Colts. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a good one. And then we can go out afterwards. <laughs> all right, any last words you want to uh, say to the listeners? Uh, well, if you're still listening, thanks for listening. <laughs> if you're a Nashvillian, thanks for being a Nashvillian. And you know, take a moment to enjoy all the success the city's had. We are still the envy of a lot of the country. Our growing pains are just that, growing pains. You know, I'm a big believer you're either growing or dying. So I'll take growing. Uh, I would absolutely agree we can manage our growth a little better, but it happened fast, mm -hmm. uh, and growing pains are okay. And uh, when you say, I miss the old Nashville, 
and I get it a lot, and I get blamed a lot, I have started to ask, okay, so let me ask, did you miss the adult peep shows down on Broadway? Did you miss the boarded up windows? Did you miss, or do you miss that Pizza Hut and Red Lobster are our best restaurants? I mean, tell me what part of that old Nashville you would like back, and I'll see what we can do, because we, I always combine it or compare it to women that have had children, and they're ready for that second, because you forget Mm-hmm. How difficult that delivery. I don't know, so I don't want to say I can pretend to know that pain. But you tend to forget mm-hmm. the negatives and remember mm-hmm. the positives. You know, and that's human nature. It is, right. But Sadly. when you complain, mm-hmm. think about where we've come from. Mm-hmm. I'll take today's Nashville over what I inherited when I moved here. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I take the theme park, theme park back. Yeah, no. Be proud of what we got, and then if we got some problems, let's let's fix them. Yeah, it is interesting because I just thinking about change. Like my wife sometimes, like, oh, they put this over here, and I'm like, yeah, and and it's not even being in real estate. Like I've always loved change. I like the growth. I like mm-hmm. like I love driving through Atlanta and seeing all their cool high rises. I'm like, man, we need some cooler toppers. We got the Batman building, but we need yeah, some we need one more know? good. We do. So, yeah, it, you know, and people are just different. So, uh, yeah, even in your role, it's like just knowing that, like, that's just reality. Some people just are going to push back against change. Yeah, they do, and I know. get it. And I, but we're such a better city. Mm-hmm. Did you like it when we didn't have any air service? Yeah. Did you like it before this airport? Mm-hmm. You know, it, Well, and, you know, and I think people love the – I would say – I don't. I, I would say I'm, everybody's probably. I'm, I'm always like generalizing, speaking. But when you see the accolades of the it city or the this or that, it's like, oh yeah. And yeah. it's like, well, guess what? You, you got to have this to get. You got to have you that. Know? So you know, a great symphony. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like the arts, we're we have the best of most mm-hmm. worlds, cosmopolitan or larger city assets but we're still a small community we still know each other you can still get around even with traffic mm-hmm. you can still be almost anywhere in 20 minutes that, that's definitely the silver lining of covid is coming down oh down. I'm yeah like, this is awesome <laughs> i love it you know um, i guess it's good that we didn't invest in all the the, yeah, the plan uh, right you know our mass knows? transit solution yeah. was a pandemic <laughs> right. worked out great it came natural <laughs> all right butch well thanks so much for your time no thank you appreciate it Well, as you can tell, I learned a lot about Nashville and what it took to get us where we are today. Um, That was very enjoyable and insightful and definitely very appreciative of all Butch has done to make our city um, as successful and entertaining as it is. Next episode, make sure to tune in. I will have a great conversation with Mark Oglesby. He was the tour manager for One Republic for over a decade and he is now managing Kane Brown. We had a great conversation. We talked about running and actually all kinds of stuff. Um, so you'll definitely enjoy that. As always, if you have any residential real estate questions, please reach out. This market is pretty crazy and having an experienced agent on your side is very important. I have worked for several buyers and sellers in the Nashville and surrounding areas over the last nine years. If you are outside of this area and are in the need of a real estate agent, I have some great resources to find a local agent that can help with with your real estate needs. 
As always, thanks for listening to Nashville Untold. And if you can spare a minute, please share this episode with a friend, family member, or on social media. And feel free to leave a review as well. Until next week, be kind and make a positive impact in someone's life. And now turn up the volume and listen to another song performed by Mike Sill in The Rambler. 